I don't have any expectation. No, you're right. I don't have any expectation on you. You just do whatever you want. Don't change here. Don't change when we come to church. Don't do what I'm saying here. Like, you just be yourself. Be free. <laughs> I'm very brave in a crowd. In a crowd. Don't worry, I'll pay for it later. That's why you don't see me for the other six days. It takes about five and a half for the bruises to heal. And then I go out in public again. It's sunshine. That's only if she lets me. Sometimes she'll say, no, you're not going out till Sunday morning. And you're only going up the hill. Up the hill, we can say up the hill now because uh, <coughs> we're now officially Gunella Barians or whatever you, whatever you call us. Um, mm. If you've got a Bible there, just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Just in case I go there. Just get ready in case we go there. <laughs> We've been we've been talking the last probably couple of months out of Psalm 103, where David writes, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Forget not His benefits." <laughs> I love I love that. I love the concept of telling yourself something. Anyone speak to themselves? You're crazy. Do you answer yourself? Do you answer yourself? <laughs> Nothing wrong with talking to yourself. We should probably talk to ourselves a little bit more at times and correct wrong thinking. And, and uh, you know, sometimes if, I wonder sometimes if we spoke to ourselves a bit more, we might not make some of the dumb choices we make because somebody else is talking to us and that's all we're listening to. These other voices, um, not necessarily God or not necessarily listening to my spirit either, trying to help me do life well. But we've been talking about the benefits of following God and how whatever was going on, we don't know. David was in a, a place where he felt the need to remind himself that as a follower of God, things are different. As a follower of God, I have access to things that those that are not following God may not have access to. He says there are benefits of following God and even saying that phrase at times feels bad because of the excesses of where, particularly the Western church has gone with what the benefits are, you know? Three Rolls Royces and, you know, ten bedroom house just in case I have another six kids. You know? I heard a guy on TV once saying that he spent I think it's 12 grand on a suit. Somebody in his church questioned him about that. Well, just, and his answer was, because I'm a child of the king and I can. And I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. I, it's your choice. I would have bought a car, 12 grand. You know, be driving around in it. Uh, a suit, 12 grand. But I do think we've gone to an excess at times when we talk about the benefits of God. And, and so we've been, we've been trying not to allow the excesses of certain people to detract the truth of the word of God. And the reality of the fact is that there are benefits to following God. There are things that we have access to now. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says that if anyone be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. 
You're a new creation. I, I can't explain it in, in physical terms, but all I can tell you is that I believe what the Bible says, that when I was 19 years of age and I was on a roundabout in the middle of the Pacific Highway and Kerr Street in Ballina, with trucks and buses whizzing around me, and I prayed a prayer. I said, God, come in. If you're there, then I really need you because I'm not doing a great job of this life you've given me and I need some help. I believe at that moment when I opened my heart up to God and, and asked him to come and take control... That that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I think it is, if any man be in Christ is a new creation, that became real to me. The old passed away and something new came. I became a new creation. That word new in the Greek literally means brand spanking new. It's not done up or souped up. It's not like taking my old car and giving a brand new paint job and cleaning the tyres and you know pull the engine out and do it up and put the same engine back in. That's not what that word new means. It literally means I, I threw a, a match in the petrol tank of that car. It went boom. And then a brand spanking new one was given to me. That's what it means. I am a brand spanking. If anyone be in Christ, he's a brand spanking new person. That's what it means in Aussie. If an Aussie wrote the Bible... That's what he would have said. If anyone be in Jesus, you're a brand spanking new person. Amen? So things are different. So we've been looking at Psalm 103, forgetting all his benefits. And we've been trying to chip our way through those benefits. We looked at forgiveness, uh, forgives all your iniquities, and then we moved on to heals all your diseases. And I've tried to be as transparent and as honest as I can and tried to throw out some of those difficult passages in the Bible. And we've looked at some of that. And I was wanting to move on, but I can't. I feel like God's saying, no, don't move on from that. Let's stay around that topic for a little bit longer. And, and, and here's, I had a... I had an experience this week. It happened to me this morning, actually. I came into church here nice and early um, to do some things. And I was in the car, and, 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 and when I'm in a car, I like to listen to talkback radio because I feel like I learn things. You know, I hear people's opinions, and it broadens me as a person to hear other perspectives and opinions. But, but how many of you know that human beings from about 19 and under, they don't like talkback radio. They want music. They want the latest music and jazz. And... I was taking my daughter to school the other day and um, the usual thing happens. She gets in and goes, can I have the radio? Meaning, can I put on my channel? Which literally means I'm having the radio. Um, and so she got the radio and we put it on 100.9. And on come this song. And I couldn't believe the words of the song. The words of the song went like this. And you might know the song. We're young, dumb and broke. Has anyone heard that song? Young, dumb and broke. There's this guy, he just keeps repeating this line. We're young, dumb and broke high school kids. We're young, dumb and broke, young, dumb and broke. And I'm listening to this music and I'm thinking, awesome, let's curse an entire generation of young people. So they're singing to themselves over and over and reciting in their head, I'm young, dumb and broke. And somehow that's cool. Anyway, fast forward to this morning, I come into church here and I'm getting my Bible out and I'm starting to, to think about this morning's message. And I find myself just kind of tapping along on the thing. And then I stopped for a second and caught myself and listened to the words coming out of my mouth. And what do you think I was singing? I'm young, dumb, young, dumb and broke. Young. And I'm singing this song to myself. You know the song now, don't you? Yes, exactly. Young, dumb and broke. I'm singing it to myself. And, and I suddenly thought, hang on a second, God, I, I hate that song. I hate what it represents. I hate the fact that that is out there and people are listening to it and kids are singing it and dancing to it and celebrating it. And the guy's making a squillion dollars off telling a whole generation, you guys are young, dumb and broke. Now pay up. No wonder they're broke. You know? 
But then I thought, well, if I was writing it and I wrote, you know, old, smart and prosperous, it wouldn't have the same ring. Old, smart and prosperous, oh yeah. Old, smart and prosperous. It doesn't sound the same. So it wouldn't be a big commercial success, but it would, but it would be truth. But I thought this morning, here I am, so against that, yet it got in me. I just listened to it in the radio and it got in me. And those words, here I am, without even realising it, it's coming out of my own mouth. And I was shocked. I thought, oh, God, what goes in comes out. What I put in sort of tends to, to come out. I can think that it's not. I can just think that, you know, I've got some sort of magic filter there and I can block it out and just listen. But, no, but I didn't. My magic filter disappeared and I'm singing this song to myself here while I'm trying to get ready and, and, and you know, stand up and talk about it. Let's talk about the benefits of God. We're young, dumb and broke. And here I am singing this song. Romans 10.17 says this. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Again, we can take it to an absolute mega extreme. And, and, and you know, God told me I'm having a, you know, new Ferrari. God told me I'm good. I'm not talking about that. What that passage is actually talking about, Paul goes through this sequence of events. It's a logical sequence. He says, how can people hear about Jesus if, if nobody tells them? And how will anyone tell them if they don't get sent? And, how, and he goes to this logical explanation. And then the end of it, he goes, so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In other words, how are people going to come to faith in Christ without hearing the message of the cross? That's kind of the point he's making. But I thought, you know, faith comes for salvation by hearing the message of the cross. But faith comes for the rest of life also by hearing what God has to say about the rest of life as well. Faith comes by hearing. And every day I'm building up faith in my life for something. I'm either listening to the voice of the devil, the voice of others, the voice of society, the voice of the media, the voice of myself, or the voice of God, the word of God. Jesus was the living word. And if I want to get an idea of how God sees the world, an idea of what God thinks about certain topics and certain things, I want to start as a starting point, go and look at the life of Jesus Christ. You know? We talked last week about healing, that, that, that we don't understand everything about it, but I do understand this very clearly. Jesus didn't go putting sickness on people. He took it off people. So that tells me something about the character and nature of God when it comes to healing. God doesn't go around. I don't believe God puts sickness on us to teach us lessons. That's, that's, that's a cruel father. You know, I remember one day Johnny came out and, 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 and he, he got um, his Buzz Lightyear thing on. Jackie's probably shared this story before. And we opened up the lounge room window and Johnny stood up on the, we're on the second story and he's standing up on the, like, towards the ledge of the window. He puts his arms up and we, we hear this, to infinity and beyond. Now you know what's going to happen next, don't you? Johnny with his Buzz Lightyear cape on is going to launch out the second story window and we're all smart enough to know what's going to happen after that happens. <laughs> you know, it's an unfortunate sequence of events from that point on. He's leaning there and he's thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump out of this, this window. I had a point to that. It's just disappeared. What was I saying before that? Just private conversation. What was I saying before that? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. I'll come back to that. I literally did. I just forgot what my point was, but I was building to something there about that. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we build faith by what we hear in different areas of life, you know. And so faith for salvation comes by hearing the message of the cross. Faith for healing comes by hearing what God has to say about healing. 
Faith for deliverance comes by hearing what God has to say about deliverance. Faith to be able to forgive somebody uh, comes by hearing what God has to say about that whole area of forgiveness. And that whole uh, faith for, for, for uh, any area of life comes, correct faith comes into our world by listening to what God has to say about that area of life. Not listening to what the rest of the world has to say, what society has to say, what popular culture has to say and so on. You know, and I, I was thinking about kids listening to that music and speaking that over their lives. He, he, if I could give you a visual, I wanted to come in here this morning, and if I could get a big sign that said unbelief, I'd nail it to this. I'd, I'd, I'd nail a big sign here that says unbelief, and I'd come up this end, and I'd nail a big sign here that says faith, right on there. I'd bang a big board that says faith, and here's what I think. Here I am going through whatever I'm going through in life. Right? The, the more I allow myself to walk towards unbelief, the louder the voice of the enemy becomes, the louder the voice of the world becomes, the softer the voice of God, the less influential the voice of God, the word of God, and the less impact that God himself can have into that environment. I'm saying that based on what we talked about last week. I don't like it, but it's true. Jesus did say, in an environment of faith, I can do more than I can in an environment of unbelief. He did say that. It's in the Bible. He makes these statements according to your faith and so on. Now, I don't want to go to an extreme. I don't believe that if you're not healed, it's because you don't have faith. I don't believe if you don't see a breakthrough, it's because you don't have faith. I don't know what to believe. I don't fully get it all. I think there is a mystery aspect to God. And the reason there's a mystery aspect to God is because I think with a human finite mind. And I comprehend things in a human finite way. I'm not infinite. So we use all these analogies where we try to bring uh, infinite realities of God down on a finite level and talk about, you know, God's your best friend, you know. Or, you know, imagine uh, giving God the steering wheel and he can drive the car and that's, that's what it means, you know. We've got all these analogies that God is a father and we think about a human father. And every analogy that we try to give does fall short because we only comp- uh, comprehend a certain point with our finite brain. We can't go into infinite spaces because we're not infinite. Does that make sense? So there's always going to be a mystery aspect to the character and nature of God. That's why we have faith. Because it keeps us in that place of saying yes and amen to God and still believing and still trusting even when everything around us says don't. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. What am I hearing? See, I believe in any given situation, the more I move towards this unbelief space, the less that I hear and comprehend the voice of God, the louder the voice of the devil becomes. The more I can maintain a stance towards faith, the louder the voice of God becomes, the the less the voice of the enemy becomes, and the more opportunity I give God to involve himself in that part of my world. Jesus went to Nazareth. It doesn't say he didn't want to do anything there in Mark chapter 6. It says he couldn't. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't do anything there, and he marveled at their unbelief. Uh, Mark chapter 6, I think it is verse 6, it says that, that, that Jesus went to Nazareth. He couldn't do anything. He marveled at their unbelief. And I think in verse 6, uh, it says, Then he went about the villages in a circuit. What did he do? Teaching. The antidote for unbelief is teaching. It's the word of God. Jesus went, right, there's not faith here in this place. So what I need to do to build faith is not just say you just have to believe. But we talked last week. When Jesus talked about unbelief, he corrected people. I don't like using the word rebuke because it sounds harsh in our culture. But when he would say to his disciples, why can't we do this? Well, because of your lack of faith. 
It was very different to saying complete and total unbelief. Unbelief is, I know the facts, but I'm choosing not to believe. Lack of faith is, I've got faith, but it's still being formed and developed. And I'll guarantee everybody in this room right now, you've got faith, but it's still being formed and developed. I've got faith, but it's still being formed and still being developed. And the way I form and develop my faith is that faith comes through hearing the word of God. What has God got to say about a topic, about an issue? What has God got to say about a situation or a circumstance? And the more I position myself and go, you know what? I know what I'm feeling. I know what's happening here. But I'm going to make a choice to position myself more towards faith. Step into the mystery and I don't get it all. But I'm going to say yes and amen to God on every situation and every circumstance of my life. The more I put myself over here, the more chance I have of God involving himself. If you don't like it, don't get mad at me. Read the stories of the Bible. Read the life of Jesus. When he came to spaces with faith, he did amazing things. When he came to places without unbelief, he was much more limited in what he did. That's the life of Jesus. That is the living word, Jesus Christ himself. So I want to try to position myself as much as I can in a space that leans towards faith if I want to see what God wants to show me and allow God to do what God wants to do in me. Because the more I come over this way, the more these other voices get louder and the more influence I allow to these other areas of life and the less influence I allow God, the less access that I allow God to have to my life. So I want to try to stay in a place of faith because that's the space where I'm confident. If I'm standing in a space of faith and I'm not getting the result I want, you know what? I can live with that. I can live with that because I know I'm amening and yesing God in whatever the situation is. But I don't want to be standing over here in a space of unbelief. I don't want to be standing over here and then taking my cues from all these other voices in life because it's not going to make me the person God wants me to be. Now, the reason I'm saying that is this. I, I really believe that we are in a season of life as a community, as a, as a community of believers. And I, I don't just say that for us. I don't think the world needs to hear a philosophy of religion anymore. They want to see the power of religion. They don't want to hear great talks and great exposés about the cross anymore. People want to experience God. They want to know that God is real. They want to know that, that this Jesus we talk about that's present with us now can do things in the moment, can do things now. This is what I love about David. He's saying, forget not the benefits of God. You've got your ticket, but your airline ticket is not just about getting off a plane in Italy. When you get on that plane, there are a lot of goodies waiting for you on the plane during that journey. Nice warm slippers and blankets and nuts and chips and all you can drink and all you can eat. It's all part of the journey. It's not just about getting off the plane at the other end. And the same with our salvation and our journey with God. It's not just about let's die and go to heaven. There are things along the way in the journey that God wants to show us, reveal to us. There are ways that God wants to use us before we get there. And what I know and what I understand of God is very limited, but one thing I'm very confident of is the more I stand and lean myself towards this faith space, the more potential of that happening, and the more I pull myself towards this space of unbelief, the less chance of that happening. I want to stay in a place of faith. 
And I believe God wants us as a community to be in a place of faith. I'm not guaranteeing you results. I'm not telling you what will happen. But what I'm telling you is you'll experience more of God and grow closer to God and be used more by God by staying in a space of faith than you ever will by going down here towards unbelief. You'll be more used of God by being over here than you will be over there. You'll grow closer to God over here than you will over there. You'll understand the word of God better over here than you will over there. You'll encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit and his his ability to transform and change you on the inside more over here than you're going to over here. Why? Take it up with God when you get there. He set this thing up. I'm just telling you what I see in the life of Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you what I read in the Bible. Um, there was a, a guy by the name of uh, Ramsey McMullen. He was a theologian, uh, a, a history teacher at Yale University. And he, he did a study, and I just want to tell you um, um, what, his, what his conclusion was he came to. He wrote a book called Christianizing the Roman Empire. And the question he asked was this, how did this, this, this illegal sect group called The Way... How did they go in just under a couple of centuries from being this tiny illegal sect group to pretty much overtaking and defeating all the gods of all these other nations to the point where Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire? He said, how did this happen? He wrote a book called Christianizing the Roman Empire and he came to this conclusion. He said, it didn't happen because Christians had fantastic orators and teachers. It didn't happen because Christianity had great um, apologists for the faith. You know what apologists are those people that that, that take take our faith and logically use the world around them and, and, and so on and can logically explain faith, intellectually tell you why Christianity makes sense. He said it wasn't because of that. He said the reason that Christianity was able to overcome all that it overcame and get to the place where it was, he said very clearly, was because of the result of power evangelism. He said it was because they prayed for the sick and stuff happened. It's because when they confronted demonic activity, they had power and authority and they were able to deal with it. When they saw people bound, they were able to, in whatever way, within their faith, there was something available in their faith that set people free. There was something available in their faith that literally changed tangible situations and physical situations. He said that's how this tiny illegal group grew from being this tiny group of people to being a religion that overtook the world and actually became the official religion of the Roman Empire. You know when Jesus walked the earth, he was so insignificant to Rome? We read the Bible, and the Bible, the, the, the writers of, the, of, of this book here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they put Jesus Christ at the center of the story. And that's what they're meant to do because they're lifting up Jesus. They're telling us about the life of Jesus, what God looked like when he came to earth as a man. But did you know, if you go back to that time, in the scope of Rome as a nation, Jesus was a nothing. He was a nothing. He had no political influence. He added nothing to their economies. He wasn't a military leader. Jesus Christ was nothing to Rome. He was so insignificant that that when the the Jewish people brought him, that they didn't want to deal with it. You deal with it. It's your issue. It's got to do with your laws and your customs. Nothing to do with us. He was so insignificant 
Yet in less than 200 years, this insignificant human being and his followers became a religion that was so powerful that other gods and religions were completely overthrown. How do you overthrow these other religions? Here's how they did it. They just turned up and said, you show me what your God can do, I'll show you what mine can do. You show me what your God can do and I'll do it better. It's like when, when, when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, uh, uh, God said to, to Aaron, throw your rod down. Because when you go to Pharaoh, he's not going to listen to you. He's going to have to see something tangible. He's going to have to see an expression of power for him to, 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 to potentially start to take this thing serious. And so they get there and he throws down his stick. And what happens? His stick, his rod turns into a snake. And so what does Pharaoh do? He goes, hey, magicians. Calls his magicians in and says, look what this guy did. So a bunch of his magicians go, ah, that's easy. Threw their sticks down and guess what happened? They all turned into snakes. Isn't that interesting? There's power and then there's power. There's a spiritual realm and there's a spiritual realm. But guess what? Aaron's snake ate all the other snakes. God wins. God wins. You go to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, we've got the story of Philip. The Bible says that Stephen has just been martyred. And the Bible says that all the believers, they scattered. They took off. They lost their businesses, left their homes. Everything just bolted for fear of death. But the apostles stayed. So now we're not talking about apostles. Now we're just talking about Philip. And so Philip goes running and, and he goes down to Samaria. And when he goes down to Samaria, the Bible says this. He says that he, he, the people of Samaria listened to him when they saw the healings and the miracles and the stuff that he was doing. When they saw the reality of his God, it got their ears. They went, oh, okay, we want to hear. This is not a philosophy. This is real. We want to hear about this. It also goes on and says that there was a guy called Simon in the same city. It's really interesting because it says that Simon had, had bedazzled them for many, many years because of his miracles and signs and wonders and stuff that he had done as well. And because of what he had done, the Bible says they all listened to Simon until Philip turns up. And whatever Philip did, his God was doing bigger things than Simon. So much so that Simon ended up coming to faith and going, well, I've got to follow this God because the power you're operating in is way bigger than the power I'm operating in. Interesting. There was a power and then there was a power. There was a power and there was a power. Ephesians chapter 6 Paul writes this phrase. He says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. 6.12, I think it is, somewhere around there. He says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness, heavenly places. He's, he, he says that there's this other dimension of life going on. And he actually says, you know what? We're wrestling with that. The image he's using is like Greco-Roman wrestling. It's, it's like we push and they push. It's not a boxing match where you throw punches and you knock someone out. It's wrestling. Wrestling is about pushing against and pushing back and pushing against. There's this spiritual thing going on, this dimension where we are pushing back and, and, and the enemy is pushing at us and we're pushing back and there's this wrestling going on. This is one of the great things about being a new creation is that before I was a new creation, I didn't understand that there was something else going on. I just interacted with the world and all my physical senses. I saw, tasted, touched, felt, smelt, and that was life. And that was all there was to it. That was it. And then I come to faith and I become a new creation. It's like God pulled the scales off my eyes and I saw the matrix. 
I saw the matrix for what it was. I took the blue pill and I went behind the scenes and I realised there's more going on here than what I first thought. There's more going on here than I'm seeing on the news. There's more going on here than I'm reading in the paper. There's more going on here than what I'm seeing in my own life, what I'm feeling. There's more going on here than what my friends are saying. There's more going on than what the leaders of my country are saying. There's more going on, there's more going on. And it's in another dimension, it's in another realm. And we wrestle with that realm. We wrestle with that realm. But let me tell you something, I can't punch hard enough to put a dent into that realm. It's got to be the power of God. I can't speak eloquently enough. I cannot speak eloquently enough to get around that realm. It's got to be the power of God. I can't apologise. I can't come up with with great ways and use science in the world and so on and string together beautiful words and dazzle you intellectually. I can't make you feel goosebumps by giving you sad stories and so on and bypass and get around that realm. I can't do it. The only way I can wrestle with that realm is by having the power of God in my life. And, And I don't find myself operating in the power of God by continuing to push myself towards unbelief. Because I don't get it, I understand it. I haven't seen it happen, so it can't be real. Well, I haven't seen a lot of things happen. But yet I read my Bible and I go, but God, there's a disconnect between the reality of here and sometimes the reality of my own world. There's a big disconnect. I don't like it, I don't get it. But I'm coming to the conclusion that I can either be happy with the disconnect and continue to go, well, there's a disconnect, so the disconnected parts, I'll just... That's for somebody else, and I'll just live my life over here. Or I go, you know what, God, I don't get it, but God, stir in me faith, develop my faith to the point where I can actually go, if there's a disconnect, this isn't wrong, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the way I'm looking at this situation is wrong. Maybe, maybe the way I'm processing things is not 100% accurate. I've got to get back to what this word says. I've got to get back to what the Bible says. And I feel like this season of looking at the benefits of God for us is an invitation it's an invitation to go, rightio, I've got all these things, all these questions that are unanswered. I've got all these things that I don't get, that I don't understand. And you know what? That's actually okay. It's okay to not get it all. But what I do get is this. If, if, if I see it in the life of Jesus, if I pick it up from these pages, if I understand that this is what... Normal Christians pray for the sick. That's what I get when I see this. I don't always like it, but I can't avoid it. That's what I see. When normal Christians are confronted with sickness, they pray. Was everybody healed? No, they weren't. I showed, we talked about that the first week. There are times here where it didn't happen, but it didn't stop them praying. James says, is anyone sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray for him. What, 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 what do believers do when they're sick? They ask for prayer. Can you pray for me? Can we invite the power of God into this? I don't get it, don't understand it. I just know that's what normal Christians did. If there's a disconnect between my life and what I see as normal Christian, here's the thing. We live in, I'll wrap it up. We live in such a weird, twisted society now that when we see normal Christianity, we call it abnormal, weird, sensational. We put it up on a pedestal like it's a one-off. I can guarantee you this. If somebody came into this church here and we prayed for you this morning and you were healed of AIDS and you went back to the doctor in Lismore this week and you were healed of AIDS, you know what would probably happen? 
People would come running to church when they heard about it. They'd all want to be here like there's something powerful about this shed. Hey, that can happen. Your church, your house, your family. This, this, this is stuff that God can do anywhere. I'd probably get invited into a bunch of churches to preach because I laid hands on a person that will heal the AIDS. You know? I'd probably get too busy for you little, little group of people here up on the hill and I'd probably, you know, get invited overseas and start a big church and start doing crusades around, you know? I'd write a book. I'd write a book, Three Ways to Divine Healing, and I'd just sell my three points and make a squillion. Sell my house, upgrade to a bigger one on the beach. Oh, yeah, but once I sell my book, Rob, sky's the limit. It says when Jesus went to his own hometown of Nazareth and he prayed, it actually says that, that, that he could do no mighty works there. Now, and in the Greek, that actually literally means he healed some minor ailments. He healed a headache or something like that. Somebody came in with a migraine, they got healed. Man, we'd call that revival, wouldn't we, these days? Let's be honest. Someone came in with a migraine and couldn't see and we prayed and all of a sudden their migraine was gone. We'd call that revival. But it's just normal Christianity. It's, it's what the church does. We, we, we depend on the power of God. We access the power of God. We pray, we believe God to do things. Somewhere along the line of church history, we've rewritten Genesis one twenty six, And we've written it this way. Then man said, let us make God in our own image, in our own likeness. So God becomes a really great philosophy, right up there with Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. I don't know about you, I'm feeling stirred of God. I don't want to just talk to people about God anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm on my knees, I'm crying out to God. Because God, I can't make it happen. I can't make a healing. I can't force a healing, deliverance. I can't, I, I can't talk to somebody and force the blinders off their eyes and make them see the cross and make them come into relationship with God. I wish I could. If I could do it, I'd do it. But I can't. But I know I have access to the power source that can. I know I have access to the power source that can transform and change lives. One of my favourite prayers in the Bible, I'll finish with this, I want to read it out to you. And then if you agree with me, I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray it together to finish up. Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 12, I think it is. Luke, can you find that for me? Acts four twelve. Uh, I'll find it in my Bible because I've got my reference wrong. It's definitely Acts chapter 4. Might be a little bit further on. 29. 29 and 30, mate. Can you work that up for me? This is the disciples praying, and I love what they pray here. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats. How many of you know that, that, that you've only got to read the news now, look what's happening around the world? We've got threats. Don't speak about Jesus in your workplace. Don't, don't mention the name of Jesus at school. It's a threat. We'll do this. We'll do that. Don't pray for the sick. Because if they don't get healed, you'll look like a nutter. That's a threat. might not be coming out of the mouth of a person, but it certainly comes from the mouth of the enemy. Maybe it comes out of your own insecurity. I don't want to step out, don't want to do any of these things, because what if, what if? And grant to your servants that with all what? 
boldness. With all what? That was very bold. Grant to your servants that with all boldness. Jeez, if you can't be bold at church, come on. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Verse 30. Here, grant to us boldness that we'd speak your word. How is God going to give us boldness? What do we need to give us boldness? And then they pray it. They say, this is how you can give us boldness, God. Stretch out your hand, heal. That signs and wonders may be done through what? The name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, they're saying, God, if you would turn up in power, and if you would back up the words we're speaking, if when we lay hands on people, you would heal, if when we speak the name of Jesus, you would shift things, you would do things, if you would do that, God, every time we see that happen, it produces boldness in us, and we get more and more confident, more and more bold to pray for the sick, to, 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 to pray for situations, to speak the word of God in public and in private. We get more and more bold to actually be the people that you want us to be. We can't fake it. God, we need you to show up and we want you to do something. You back us up and we're going out there and we're going to do this. And their prayer was, give us boldness by stretching out your hand and healing. And not just healing, but give us the power that we need to speak. Give us the power that we need to make a difference. Because we can't change the world with our see, taste, touch, feel, smell, senses. I can't change the world. I can gather a massive crowd by being a very charismatic talker. But I can't penetrate your spirit, penetrate your heart like the power of God can. And that's what we're aiming for. We want to see God move in powerful ways. We want to see God do something in our community. But if his own people are not expecting anything, then where's the faith coming from? Where's it coming from? If God's own people have such low expectations of the God they follow, if we have such low expectations of the God we serve, I wonder if God looked at the church... I wonder if we looked at the church in Lismore, would we be more standing over here? Or would we be more standing over here? Important question, because according to the life of Jesus, it makes a difference. I wonder when God looks at me, personally, my own world right now, am I standing more over here? Or does he see me standing more over here? It makes a difference. Look at the life of Jesus. I wonder when God looks down upon a rise as a gathering, as a community, and he looks at us. Does he see us more over here, or does he see us more over here? It makes a difference. Just look at the life of Jesus. Do I like that fact? No, I don't. Hate it. But unless I'm prepared to take a big black marker and run it through all those verses in the New Testament, and I'm just not quite there yet then they're going to stay there. And I'm going to read them and they're going to look at me. And they're going to speak to me. And they're going to challenge me. And I'm going to have to respond at some point. Either now, with what I can see, or one day when I stand before him. And I go, if only I knew how awesome you were when I was down there. If only I knew how beautiful you were when I was actually down there. If only I understood the power of the Holy Spirit like I do right now in your presence. If only I understood that when I was 47 years of age back at Ganelabar. How different would it have been?
I want to pray that prayer. Luke, can you put that up for me? I want to ask you a question. You don't have to do this. It's up to you. But if that's your heart cry, if you, you, if you know that, that God is much bigger than perhaps your world right now, I'm not asking you to understand it, but in your spirit, you read, it, you read the Bible and you're hearing me now and you're going, you know what, I want to argue with you. I want to dispute everything you're saying, but there's something in the pit of my guts going, I don't get it, but yeah, I kind of, I know it's right. I know that God is big. I know he's awesome. I know that there's more power available and there are more things he wants to do. If that's you and that resonates with you, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm sorry if you stay seated. No one's going to judge you for it. I want you to be integrous and honest to yourself. And I'm going to put that up and I want us to pray that prayer together. And then I'm going to pray for us and we'll just wrap it up. Let's pray that together. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Just with me. Grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for uh, each one of us, God. Father, those of us that are standing, Lord, that's that little mustard seed of faith. We can't make this happen, God. We can't manufacture it, and we don't want to manufacture it. God, we want the real deal. And that's why we're here, God. That's why we're standing. And Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would release power, God. Release the, the healing power, the delivering power, God, the saving power of Jesus Christ. God, that when we speak, we would know that those words are penetrating because the Spirit of God is behind it. God, when we pray, that we would know that the Holy Spirit is present and doing something. Father, when we speak the name of Jesus, that we would understand the power of that word and that we would see things change and we would see things begin to shift. Father, we pray and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. And Father, I pray for the next seven days when we leave this place. God, in the next seven days... Everybody in this room, God, I pray you would give every single one of us an opportunity to tell somebody about the goodness of God, somebody that doesn't yet understand who you are. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay. God bless you guys. Um, We're going to hang around up the front here. We started last week and we're going to keep going. If you want prayer for anything, we're going to believe God. We want to pray with you. Uh, We'll hang around for a little bit. Um, Feel free to hang around. Finish off that beautiful morning tea over there. There's a ton there. There's still tea and coffee, but we're going to hang around up the front and we're just going to pray with anybody that would like prayer uh, for anything this morning. Have a fantastic week and uh, we'll catch up with you either somewhere right around town, otherwise we'll see you next Sunday back here.